us, God. May those words never get old. You're the God over fear, over shame, over everything that this life has to offer. And Lord, we continually sing that and praise that and give you the glory for that, Lord. I pray that we would be a people who could humble ourselves like the Puritans did so that we can approach you with confident faith, Lord. I pray that as Pastor Rick comes up, you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to what you have for us today. Help that the message and the words and the scripture doesn't get old, but I pray that we would see it with a new perspective. We pray all these things in your name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome. If you've been part of Crosspoint, we have just begun a new series. We began a series in Hebrews chapter 11. God is giving us examples of people who have trusted his words. God defines faith as uncompromising confidence in his word. God is pleased when we bank on his promises even if we don't see or experience the fulfillment of them. In fact, the scriptures are really clear. None of us can please God without faith. Let's review just for a little bit. Faith means believing God when he says he created the earth by his words. Faith means that Abel put his confidence in God, even though it cost him his life. Enoch trusted God and walked faithfully with him for 300 years. Noah's faith saved him, but cut against the grain of the culture. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And yet, Lord, so many of us have heard about Noah. We've taught about Noah. In some ways, we may even consider it a children's story. But God, this is so much more than just a children's story. It is for kids. 
but it's for us. And I pray, dear God, that you would open our eyes. Noah was amazing. This story blows us away. We thank you that we can focus on it today. Change us. Help us understand. Father, I pray for all the believers and the churches that are gathering this weekend. Those who are faithfully sharing your word. People who are responding. The flock that's being encouraged and convicted. We pray, dear God, that your people would be salt and light. That they would go out into our world proclaiming your grace and magnifying your name. We think of a few, Father, that are part of our fellowship. I think of Connection and Meadowland and Northbridge. We pray for those pastors and those flocks. Encourage them today, God. Help them hear your word and obey it with joy. I pray for all the teachers and all of our kids who are downstairs. We thank you, God, that they are being told about who you are. Would they understand? Would they respond? Would they be encouraged to follow you even at a young age? We pray you bless those workers and thank you again, God, for all you're doing. Lord, help us open the scriptures in a way where we expect your spirit to teach us. Please do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's begin. You can turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Technically, it's only one verse. We'll look at it a few different ways, and we're going to spend some time actually in Genesis looking at the story of Noah. But let me read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. One verse literally tells the story of Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. So far, though, that's been the pattern in Hebrews chapter 11. The verses that we get are short. They're tertiary. We don't get a lot of details. We get some. But Abel and Enoch, which we've already studied, they're short. And even the verses about Noah. So what can we assume? Well, this is a letter written to Hebrews written to Jewish believers, those who are following the Messiah. They knew these stories. Noah, Noah's an epic story. There isn't any doubt that the recipients of Hebrews knew this 
story. In verse 7, we learn that Noah was a man of faith. By faith, he built a large boat to save his family from the flood. God said that he warned Noah of things that had never happened before. And we'll learn a little bit more about that, but he warned Noah. He said, I want you to do this. What you're going to find out (laughs) is not normal. And the scriptures tell us that Noah obeyed. He received his righteousness, which also at the same time condemned the rest of the world because they lacked faith. Noah's faith saved him, and the lack of faith didn't for everyone else. I think you're going to find out because all of our examples are Old Testament examples. But in the Old Testament, the scripture is filled with people who are justified by faith. They are saved by their faith. Now again, most of you know the story found in Genesis, starting at chapter 6. But let's look at it again. So if you would, turn your Bibles there. And we're going to hit some verses Some verses that hopefully will round out this amazing story. We're going to start Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5. The Lord observed the the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he even made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race, or I I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, all the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the air. I am sorry I ever made them. The world was wicked, extremely wicked. God said he was sorry that he made them. Literally, it broke his heart. Hebrews often express God with human emotions. This anthropomorphic wording isn't saying God didn't see this coming. It just tries to help us understand God. God knew this would happen. God loved people in spite of it. But he wasn't caught off guard. Like, oh, wow, I didn't see this coming. We can say it this way. God is extremely grieved. Because the multitudes have run from him, the giver of life. We see the same sentiment in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where Paul says we as believers can grieve the Holy Spirit, make the Holy Spirit sad by our behavior. So God is grieved. Now, let me give you a little bit of background here. It's been about 1,500 years since creation. 
And although nobody knows for sure, I have read from at least 10 million people to about 100 million people roamed the earth. All of them wicked. God is both loving and just, but God also is very consistent and says that those who run from me, those who rebel against me, I will judge. Let's look at verse 8. But Noah, he found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at this time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Enter. We get a little bit more, well, uh, understanding of who Noah is. We find out, first of all, that Noah found favor with God. And the reason he found favor with God is that he had a close walk with God. He walked with God. I don't know if you remember that same term. It was used with Enoch just a little bit before. That Enoch walked faithfully with God. And after 300 years, God just took Enoch up to glory with him. Noah was righteous and blameless because of his faith. And I think he had faith. And it grew because of his closeness with God, his walk with God. Story continues. Look at verse 11. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. I I think we're getting the picture. This is not a good place at this moment. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Some of these words are starting to make you uncomfortable. But let's look. The world is corrupt, and God is going to judge everyone. It it was pretty bad. But we know in the midst of ugly, Noah walked faithfully with God and trusted God. You know, I think sometimes we do look around in our culture and we look around and all of the things that are going on and, and we wonder, oh, God, are you going to allow this? God, this is moving away from you. Well, I think what we can say is this, without a lot of background, Noah lived in an extremely evil environment. Yet Noah walked with God And Noah, we're going to find out, made a difference as a result. And I think this alone can inspire us and give us hope. Is that, yes, maybe the situation, the world, the neighborhoods, the scenarios that are going on, man, that's hard. But God can give strength and actually make a huge impact, which we're going to see. Look at verse 14. This is God's instructions. Build a large boat from cypress wood. And, and there's some different translations there. No one actually even knows what kind of wood. But build it from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. 
Then construct decks and stalls throughout its, its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat. Lower, middle, and upper. Build a large boat, literally a box, all right? And this box is to have some venting. This box is huge and is going to have three decks. And this box is going to have one door. We don't know a lot about Noah. We don't know if he was wealthy. We don't know if he was a lumberyard uh, manager. We don't know anything. But we know God gave him this instruction. Was Noah a builder? Did he know how to use saws and hammers and tar? This was God's instruction. Now remember in Hebrews, Noah was warned that nothing like this had ever happened. So to us, it's a simple instruction, as hard as it is, or as difficult, to Noah, he's hearing God's words, but trying to put them in perspective. God said, build a boat, a really big boat. Did Noah have questions? I, I got to believe so. But the questions didn't deter him from obedience. He heard the dimensions of the boat. He probably had to scratch his head. I'm building a boat. Well, a huge boat. Like, why am I building a boat? Noah was to build this gargantuan boat simply because God asked him to build it. I have to believe that Noah had been walking with God for quite a while to receive and respond this directive. You see, I do think that trusting God is easier as you walk with God. He's been faithful in little things. He's uh, honored you. And, and, okay, God, I can trust you here. Yes, God, I can listen to you here. So Noah hears this command. Doesn't even say he argues. He hears it and begins. Now, those of you who have traveled to the Ark Encounter uh, probably have a little advantage here. And, and if you don't know what that is, there is a, uh, a museum, shall we say. And uh, it tries to put in perspective how big this Ark was, what it looks like, or at least what it could look like. And you have this perspective as you walk up there, and I have not been there yet, but as I see pictures saying, oh man, this baby is big. This is big. And you walk in, you see the levels, and, and maybe some of this is how it looked. But if you could do it this way, I've put a little bit of a diagram up there. A football field is 300 feet. So this boat was going to be a football field and a half. All right? It's going to be 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. 
I got to tell you, this cost Noah and actually his family to put his faith in God. Uh, Think of it. Think of the conversations even. Just do it. It probably took uh, 70 to 80 years, according to the timeline that we have and when his sons were born and, and when they eventually got into the boat. So roughly, give or take, 70 to 80 years to build this thing. Can you imagine his conversation with his wife? It, just really. Hey, honey, heard from God today. Cool. <laughs> what do you say? He said, ah, we're supposed to build a boat. We're supposed to build a boat. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you how big this boat is. And he shares the dimensions of the boat. Now his wife's kind of looking at him and going like, are you serious? Like, we're to build a boat. Why? In the desert. Why are we building a boat? Come on, honey. Noah, Noah, help me with this. 80 years. Now, he didn't know that in the beginning, but he knew he wasn't going to build this thing right away. Material. It's not like, again, you're going to Home Depot or Menards, or even you had the internet. It's, I've got to get the lumber. I've got to get the material. This is a really big boat. And, And by the way, we're paying for it, honey. We're going to supply all the needs here. And I, I tell you, isn't God so amazing, isn't he? No, I, I, I mean, no, I think God's amazing, but how, what, what are you thinking? What about the personal sacrifice? Honey, we got a vacation planned next month. And, and what about we normally go... Well, you know, God gave me this assignment, and I, I think we're going to be busy for the next 80. Okay. Are you serious? I, I, yeah. Now, remind, let me also remind you, he's got three sons and wives. He's got to have the same conversation with them. Hey, by the way, Ham, <laughs> kind of a goofy, no, I'm sorry. Um, wh- whatever. Hey, I got to just tell you. God talked to me. Dad is so cool, Dad. What's going on? We're going to build a boat. You heard from God. We're doing this. They are going to have some of the same reaction. Now, not only that, but they start this project. They get some of the wood. They lay out some of the plants, and they start building it on the land, and there are lots of people around. Neighbors, neighbors, they're called neighbors. Hey, no, what you doing? I'm building the boat. Oh, that's a big boat. It's a really big boat. And God says he's going to judge the world and that he's going to save the world by this boat. So after a year or two or five or 10 or 20, Noah's building this boat. Neighbors are over. There's got to be some kind of persecution. Maybe it's Crazy Noah. Hey, did you see where Crazy Noah is? Hey, Crazy Noah's up on the first deck. Hey, Crazy Noah's doing this. Crazy Noah. And his sons and his wife. His reputation was hurt. His reputation also grew. 
But I got to believe that he had the talk with his wife and his sons over and over and over. Maybe they knew God as much as Noah, but probably not. And maybe Noah would continue to say, hey, God's always been faithful. And God clearly said, we got to build a boat. Dad, this is 60 years. Honestly, what happened if you didn't get it right? I got it right. I'm building a boat. We're building a boat. Oh, amazing. And we just think this is a kid's story. Everything changed about Noah because God said, build a boat in a desert and I'm going to judge the world. Nothing ever happened like this before. Let's look at verse 17. Starting in verse 17. Look, I am going to cover the earth with a flood and will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive for f- during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And... Be sure you take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. Now, we know how long he actually stayed. He stayed in that ark a little bit over a year. No refrigeration, no, you know, modern conveniences, no Amazon Prime, nothing. You're going to be in this boat. You've got quite a few animals in this boat. You've got a family in this boat. And God says, hey, make sure you bring enough food. You know, plan well. God is going to cover the earth with a flood. It has never rained before. Maybe, maybe some of you know this. At this time, the earth was surrounded with kind of like a greenhouse effect. It had a uh, canopy, and everything was watered by dew. The whole earth was more or less tropical. So you're going to destroy the earth with a flood. The only thing I know is there's no rain. How's water going to get here? We're in a place away from any kind of an ocean. But everyone will be destroyed except eight humans pairs of every creature which will just come and show up. Is that what you said, God? They'll show up. Okay. Lions? Yeah. Tigers? Yeah. Make sure you keep them apart. Okay. Okay. I got it. Honestly. He had to trust God with the plan. This was so bizarre. And you can read the rest of the story. But the rest of the story goes something like this. They boarded the boat with the livestock. The rain came and the flood covered the whole earth. 
They were on this boat a little over a year. And at the end, when eventually they walked out onto this new earth, the scripture says, from Noah's sons came all the people who now populate the earth. So you got to ask the question, what made Noah so special? What made him stick out? What made him a superhero now? Well, if you look in chapter 6, verse 22, right where we stopped, the scripture says this, so Noah did everything exactly as, as God commanded him. In the next chapter, going over some things again, Genesis chapter 7, verse 5. So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. And if you put it in perspective, all of the absolutely most ridiculous things that God said, not making sense at all, what made Noah special? that he did most? He sort of followed God? <laughs> no. He did. He obeyed in every area. Who does this? Who does this for 80 years? Well, <laughs> God said he's going to do this. <sighs> Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded. Noah responded to God's word, even though it didn't make sense to him. Everything was new to him. Everything, the boat, the rain, the judgment. But he banked on God's word. Now, there's a little snippet in 2 Peter that I'd like you to look at because we find out one more thing about Noah is that Noah preached in his corrupt world. But we also know, know that there was no response. 80 years of preaching? 80 years of talking about God? 80 years of representing God? And no response. How do we know that? Because nobody else got in the boat. Nobody else did. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 5, and God did not spare the ancient world, except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah. And when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. You know, my friends, the parallels today are sobering. Our world is evil. And God says he will judge. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and just as each person is destined to die, once and after that comes the judgment. You will meet God someday, each one of us, as either Savior or judge, one of the two. God also did this. He provided a door for the salvation. One door, not a bunch of doors, 
one door. And if you enter that door, whether you're animal or human, you were saved from the destruction of the flood. For us, we enter a relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me by putting your faith and trust in Christ's sacrificial death for each one of us who paid our debt and satisfied God's wrath so that we might be restored, reconciled, be called a son and a daughter and be able to spend eternity with him. Unbelievable? It's God's grace. It's God's grace. Now, let me try to make this a little more practical for us. God's not asking us to build a boat or to work 80 years on a project. But Noah listened, and he was rewarded. Noah was a great man. One of the greatest because of his faith. He banked on God's word when it didn't make sense. You know, as soon as I wrote that down, my mind just started going crazy. There are so many things in God's word that don't make sense. That God asks us to bank on them, to believe them. Because sometimes we kind of wrestle with it. But here are some of God's hard-to-understand words. Only those with faith are saved. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean, hey, wait a minute. What about all those that maybe never heard about Jesus? Maybe all those other religions? Come on. Are you telling me Jesus is the only way? God is saying that, not me. God said, we're here to make disciples who make disciples. Well, wait, that doesn't make sense. I mean, that, that's really for people who are paid to do that or, uh, I, come on, I, I don't have a lot of... Co- no, God said, make disciples. That's all of our responsibilities. Jesus said, wash each other's feet and especially the ones who are going to betray you. Wait a minute. First of all, I don't like feet. Secondly, God says you are to serve others as a servant. That doesn't make any sense, God. When am I going to get my needs met? God's word says we are to give our tithes and offerings joyfully. Joyfully. Oh, wait a minute. Um, this hard-earned money. And, uh, like, happy to give this away? Yeah. Be sexually pure, mentally and physically. God says, yes, yeah, sex is wonderful. But 
It's with your partner that you've committed to for life. Whoa. Well, you know, how can I and why don't I? And, and this includes pornography and includes all these other unfaithful acts. Well, you know, a guy's got to, or a gal's got to. God's hard words to understand is marriage is amazing. And you need to be faithful. Be thankful for everything. Now, wait a minute. God did everything. I'm supposed to be, I thank you for everything. I mean, that alone can just, I, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can thank you for this hard time. I don't know if I can thank you for this situation. I don't know if I can thank you for the circumstance right now. I, I know. But God's word says, do this. Trust me. You don't have the perspective. You don't understand all that's happening. But I got this. I've got this. And you will see how these things work together. For those that love me, I am going to use this in your life. So thank me. Pray without ceasing. You mean like on my knees? Mm, it could. But pray. Talk to God. Have this communication. Uh, God, I'm kind of busy. I want you to keep talking to me throughout the day, throughout the night, when you get up. I want you to pray corporately with hands lifted up. Oh, but, but God, I'm busy. I, I, I don't know if I have time. But God's word says, and we have a choice. Do we trust him? Do we rearrange our schedules? Do we listen to him? Bless and pray for your enemies. Oh, no. Oh, hold it. Stop. I'm I'm not understanding this one. You mean you want me to pray for people that are ornery, don't like me? Yeah. Because I'm going to take vengeance. I am going to be the one to take care of circumstances. You don't have to do that. You are going to trust me. Well, God, I don't know if I can trust you. Well, what happens if you don't, like, send the lightning bolt? I'm pretty sure God's not going to do that, send the lightning bolt. All right? But God knows. He is perfect as he deals with all. Care for the poor. Well, you know what, God? Those guys are poor for a reason. You know, I mean, if they could manage their job, I mean, money, and, and if they could get a job, I mean, come on, what's their problem? And, and I mean, care for the poor. What, what does that mean? Do I pay the rent? Do I buy them groceries? Do I take them to get gas in their vehicle? What, what does that mean? God, this is all walking with God, but it's listening. And these are His words to us. Love your wife 
like Jesus loved the church. Do every one of you gentlemen who are married understand what that is? Do you know that Jesus gave up his life for the church? So when your wife's a little ornery or when your wife doesn't deserve our, you can just fill in the blanks. God's word says this, you're walking with me, you're going to trust me. I want you to give up your life for your wife. And you love her that way. Oh my word. Uh, Forgive. I want you to forgive like I forgave. And, And I look at that, say, God, that's too hard. I can't do that. But Jesus forgave after some army of people literally beat him to a pulp on a tree. And the words that come out of his mouth, Father, forgive them, they, they don't know what they're doing. Well, no, they, they kind of do know what they're doing. Don't they know what they're doing? But no, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to forgive because that's what you've told me. This doesn't make sense. Just like it doesn't make sense to build a boat. Wow. Speak evil of no one. The scripture says, speak evil of no one. Well, there's certain people I could speak evil of, right? No. But, and we wrestle with God's word. And, and one is, hey, Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to reward and Jesus is going to judge. You read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 how the rapture is going to occur. You know, yesterday, my wife and I had an opportunity to spend quite a few hours with a mourning family. A mom and dad who just lost a 23-year-old girl who was killed while riding her bike. Now, without going into a lot of details, what we heard for two straight hours was how Alicia, Alyssa, sorry, Alyssa, made an impact. I, I cannot even believe how much happened in this 23-year-old girl's life. But I also want to tell you this. This doesn't make sense to anybody. She was in grad school. She was this bright young lady. She had her whole life in front of her. There isn't one thing that makes sense of this, folks. She's with Jesus right now. And I heard over and over and over again, I'm going to see Alyssa. I'm going to be reunited. I know she's with my Lord. I don't understand these situations. As the parents are weeping and gasping. But I'm going to trust Jesus. That's Noah faith. Do do you get that? Do you understand that our God is bigger and greater and more powerful? We're not going to understand his ways. We're not going to understand all that he's doing. 
But as we walk with him, he prods us. He tells us. The word guides us. And we have a choice. Do I listen to my faithful father? Do I step out in faith? Do I listen to me? Because, Rick, you're pretty sharp sometimes. You're, 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 no, no, no. You see, if you believe God's words, your actions will show it. Noah's actions showed he trusted God. James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 2, verse 26, wrote this. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. He's not saying that good works save us. Because good works don't. But good works show we are saved, show that we walk with God when we trust God. After 80 years and Noah's pounding the nails and painting the tar on, people are looking at him like he's crazy, crazy. And all he did was hear from God 80 years before. You build the boat build a boat and I'm going to save you because of your faith and I'm going to use you in my plan. You see, faith in God's word makes us heroes. As as unlikely as it may seem, God is pleased with people who have faith. Who have faith in God's word. Who trust him. Let's look right before I pray is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, one more time, and read this in perspective. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat (laughs) to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that never happened before. Does it make sense? No rain, no flood, no, like, God, really, uh, judgment? You haven't judged like this before. Are you, s- by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. They didn't believe. They thought he was crazy. And he received the righteousness that comes by faith. God says, I honor you. You trust me. Let's pray. Father, who doesn't want to obey you like Noah? We all raise our hands. We all want that. We're all inspired. And then we read some of the hard things in your word. Ways we're ought to treat people, respect others, and supposed to trust you to take care of the details. God, we like control. We like making the rules. 
But God, you are a good, good father. You are a wise father. You are a loving father. You are a father that has given us your word. And as we spend time in it, we listen to it, we obey it, and we live by faith, and we live abundantly. And someday, Father, we will be in eternity with you for all of eternity. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. We get to spend it with you because of your grace. God, it doesn't make sense to invest in the future. But you said to. It doesn't make sense to forgive. But you asked us to. Oh God, would you use the Holy Spirit in our lives and help us listen to you, respond to you, please you, even if things seem so very, very odd. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.